This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I'm going to sit down for a solo episode, uh, recount some of my most recent hunts, and talk about the future and moving forward and what I'll be working on and um, what everybody else can be working on. So we'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Sig Sauer. Uh, Sig Sauer Optics have just been amazing. Uh, Sig Sauer, with their high-end optics, are really competing with the top companies out there. Uh, they're an absolute joy to look through. So I uh, just got the new Zulu 10s. They make a 10 by 42 which I think is the best all-around bino for Western hunting. They also came out with a 15 by 56s that are just amazing to look through. I tripod those things up and can really pick country apart. And like I say, the glass is just such premium glass, such good quality, uh, good edge-to-edge clarity. Uh, just amazing to look through. So check those things out. Also, you guys have heard me talk about the Zulu 6s, the image-stabilizing binos. I've been using these a ton. Uh, my favorite pair for around the chest is the 12 by 42 They also have a pair of 16 by 42 So these things are awesome. It uh, just stabilizes the image. So when you come over a windy ridge or you pull up your binos, it's this stable image. Uh, uses like a gimbal technology like our cameras use. And uh, it's just amazing to have that stable image for glassing far, glassing close, and just picking up the details. So uh, I've been using those a ton. I've been totally sold the last two, three seasons, been using those and really impressed by them. Uh, also check out their rangefinders. I think the best rangefinders on the market. Uh, so they have their Kilo 5K is the one I'm using. You can put in the speed of your bow to get the exact cut, which is really nice for hunting mule deer in these steep angles and being able to know what your exact cut is and and also have it calibrated to the speed of your bow as that changes the hold on things and a, a yard or two can make a huge difference out west so uh, just a great range finder powerful laser will shoot through grass uh, good readings or the same range on both light and dark targets so i don't have any issues there i really think they make me a better bow hunter so check those out they also have spotting scopes uh, they have uh, uh, rifle scopes that are amazing. I have one set up on a, a Savage gun that I set up. Uh, so really enjoying those and uh, everything else they offer. So thanks to those guys at Sig Sauer Optics. Those guys are absolutely killing it. I also want to thank Savage. So I just talked about the rifle that I have set up. I uh, have a... Um, and don't want to get into the calibers or things, but I, I do have like this 6.5 Creedmoor setup that's uh, just driving tax. It's a great shooting rifle. In fact, I'm going to transition my daughter over to this rifle. Uh, and we'll talk about that hunt today she had. Uh, but yeah, just a great rifle. Uh, they're just accurate out of the box. They're like a factory rifle that'll just shoot. They have a bunch of different models. So they have models to fit your price range and preferences. Uh, the one we like around the office is the 110 Ultralight. They have an Accu trigger, so you can adjust the trigger yourself to lighten up that trigger to make it more accurate. And um, 
Sorry, Google Meets is talking to me here. They also uh, uh, have an Accu stock, so you can adjust the comb height and the length of pole to make that rifle fit you uh, exactly, like fit your frame perfectly, which just makes for a more accurate rifle. Uh, so impressed by all their components, everything that they're doing. They're just building amazing rifles. I had my rifle sighted in within a handful of shots and then shooting out at distance, and I'm just so impressed by the accuracy of it. So if you guys are in the market for a new rifle, uh, make sure to go check them out over at Savage Arms. They've got a great website. You can go through all the different models, different calibers. Uh, mine's a composite stock that I put together as I really like that you know, the, the weather and conditions aren't going to affect that stock or come into contact to that barrel. So just building amazing rifles, doing a great job. So make sure to go check those guys out over at Savage Arms. Uh, also want to thank Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop. And they have absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. So they carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. And uh, just amazing stuff there. You can save 10% off your order if you put in the promo code ELEVATED10. And also right now we have a deal going where if you're a Tag Hub Elite member, uh, you can save 20% off your order. So a Tag Hub Elite member is... Uh, you're subscribed to both the magazines. Uh, you have our tag hub, which comes in really handy right now as we're coming into tag season. If you put in the promo code Brian, save you 10% on that. But yeah, go check it out. Uh, just a, a amazing through tag hub. We've revamped it. Uh, we have a new mapping system on there that's amazing. And just more user-friendly to get to all the data points in there. And I mean, you can just learn all these units out west and which units are the best for rifle, for bow, for muzzleloader. You look at success rates. You can look at harvest uh, statistics. Like, um, there's just so much information there to dive into. And and uh, I'll be into that season here shortly as um start planning out for next year. And we'll talk about that today. But yeah, make sure to check out Tag Hub, check out Beyond the Grid. I've got a couple new episodes that were out from about last season, filmed a couple episodes uh, that'll be coming out next year that I'm really proud of. But yeah, there's just some um there's some great episodes on there. Dan Bacar's two biggest bowls with his bow. He always does a great job, so you can check those out. Uh, just search Eastman's Hunting TV Beyond the Grid. And, um, man, uh, also, uh, uh, make sure to check out like our magazines, Eastman's bow hunting journal, Eastman's hunting journal, uh, just pouring our heart and soul into those things. Um, each and every month I just got done writing a new article on optics kit. Uh, so I talk about all the different optics and, uh, where they're used best and their advantages and disadvantages. Really cool article that'll be coming out in the Eastman's bow hunting journal here shortly. All right, take a sip of coffee here and get rolling on a solo. It's been a while. So yeah, just catching up with you guys. I guess we'll go through kind of some of my hunts. So um, man, when was the last time I, I sat down and talked with you guys? I'm sure I talked over my elk and harvesting that. Uh, that was a, and, and I might've done that on, uh, Eastman's bow hunting journal, that podcast I do with Dan Bacar. I know I've had, I've had trouble linking up with Dan as we're both running so busy. So, um, yeah, I recorded a solo for there and then, um, we should be back on track now. I have one recorded for, uh, this week. And, uh, I think we're also changing the release day of that from Friday to Wednesday. So it'll be a little bit more on my plate, but um, I'll just have to be on my workload and getting those things out early. So um, we'll definitely be um, uh, 
continuing to do that. So me and Dan just had a great conversation. In fact, I need to send him a message and try to get another one recorded today, tomorrow. But uh, yeah, recorded a solo on there talking about my elk season. So I think that's where I left off is elk season. And uh, we wrapped up that and just come into mule deer season. So um, yeah, I'm stoked. You had some late season tags here. In fact, I still have one left. Uh, but yeah, able to um, kind of go and kind of attack this season a little bit different. It's I, I love the rut and I love the action of the rut, but it does get difficult with a bow and arrow the later we get into November as we get the snow and the cold, which makes it more difficult to sneak up on those mule deer, especially if we've got snow covering the ground and that bitter cold just makes everything more difficult, more difficult to uh, sit out on the glassing points, uh, the, the, uh, camping, you know, you have to pack a, a heated stove or a heated tent, uh, and I'll get into some of my camping systems that I've been using this season. So I really wanted to hit it early in October as I have some good places where these bucks kind of stage for the pre-rut. And I also find that these bucks are pretty susceptible that time of year. There's nobody hunting them. And if I can just get on the bucks, um, they're usually like feeding, uh, with like a routine and then bedding and then back out to feed. And they're just like, they're, they're not, um, you know, part of the fun of the rut is that the bucks are always moving. And then that's also like the downside too, is that bucks are always moving. So they're tough to catch up to tough to get shots at. And when I catch them in this October season, it just seems like they have a routine. They're maybe in a small group of bucks, but a lot of times by themselves, which makes them susceptible. And I've just had good success, so I wanted to put more focus into it this year. So uh, I planned a trip the last week of bow season, uh, my home state of Montana. So this was nice because a lot of times I'm waiting till the rut. And then, you know, I've got to wear orange and I've also got to contend with all the rifle guys, which there's a lot of rifle pressure, especially in these general units. So it just makes it tougher. So I wanted to start out like during bow season this year and see if I could get on box. So I planned a backpack trip. Um, It was a solo backpacking trip, which is so nice. Like I... You know, I, I film a lot of these hunts, which I enjoy to try to capture, but there's this added degree of difficulty, especially like public lands, uh, trying to film an archery hunt, and then it's spot and stock. It's not like I can call these bucks in, and so you're just really trying to get two guys into range, and can be a bit frustrating at times. Like, it's really satisfying and fulfilling when I can complete a hunt that way, but it is an added degree of difficulty, and so I can't do every hunt like this. Like, my love is for bow hunting. And so, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm that I'm also just getting out for the enjoyment of the hunt. So this was a solo backpack trip. Uh, just caught really good weather as it was October and not November yet. Man, November's cruising by. It's already the 7th today. That's crazy. Uh, but uh, went out in October and then went for this backpacking trip. So um, went out to one of my favorite spots out there and you know, it's always like challenges on these hunts. They're never quite as planned. So I planned this last week in a bow season to go backpack in there. And then I get down there and they were calling for a touch of rain here or there, but um, not very much. And so I didn't think it mud up my access road. Well, I got down there. It had mudded up my access road. So I just had to change plans. And so I, I day hunted in a spot. Uh, I actually saw a couple bucks in there and some does and, um, but nothing that, uh, nothing that I wanted to shoot. And so kept hunting and then 
finally able to get into my backpacking spot, but now I'm running short on days as I've wasted a, a couple days of hunting different spots uh, before I could get in. Finally get in there, load up my backpack, and uh, start rallying back into this country that I really like. And so backpacked back in there and, uh, you know, didn't didn't really see anything the first evening in there and then, you know, kept moving and then the first morning uh, able to set up on the vantage point. And this October, it's like nice to have a heated tent or a pup tent if it's going to rain, but I've been using this uh, outdoor research bivy sack. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of bivy sacks. Bivy sacks, they, they suck to ride out storms. Like if it rains on you, it is a pain. But where they are nice is like when you have good weather or these short duration trips because they're so light. They're less than a pound. I just put my sleeping bag in there. Uh, I have my pad, you know, but uh, basically my sleeping bag, my bivy sack, throw out a pad, sleep in the dirt, and then just throw that stuff in my pack and keep moving in the morning. So I don't have this big production of setting up a tent or breaking down a tent or a wet tent or like having to set up a, a teepee and a stove. And so I can just make do this time of year in October with like this bivy sack setup. And and I ran it quite a bit this year. It's it's just like it's fast and um, it's convenient. And like I say, it sucks if you run into a storm, but at least I've got the bivy sack that I can throw the top on it. It does have a screen too for mosquitoes. So like early season, I was hunting some spots where I had some mosquitoes and I had to have the screening over my face. But it's just I can set up in a deer bed. I can set up anywhere. I sleep anywhere. And it's just really quick and easy. And so... I like to be mobile, and um, so I will run this setup quite a bit. So, uh, ran that setup, uh, woke up in the morning, grabbed a vantage point, uh, started setting up on this this um, big drainage, and uh, catch this really nice four. And um, I didn't see a lot of deer, um, but I did catch this really good four. And, you know, I could see that he had a bigger body, has a good rack, and, you know, at this this spot that I'm hunting, it's not known for giants. And so, you know, it's like almost a prairie subspecies of mule deer. So there is the exception out there, but most of the time, like a really good mature buck is going to be 160 inches. And these are bucks that just still get me excited. And I love hunting this, you know, this is kind of like that badlands country, just rolling canyons and coolies and um, semi-open. It's just perfect for bow hunting because it's got a lot of ungulation and topography. And um, I just love it. It's like not as um, it's not as tough to hunt as the mountains. Well, I say not as tough to hunt, but it just depends on the um, on the hunt and where I'm at. And um, you know, and and really, I push my limits on any hunt I'm at. So it might not be as grueling or as tough as say like a mountain hunt as far as elevation and things. But um, man, I will push my limit to how far I can walk out in that country, like 15 miles, 20 miles, like you can just go and go and go. And you don't have these huge climbs of thousands of feet to get to the top, but you do have like these canyons and, and you'll hit five, six, seven of them, 10 of them in a, in a hunt where you're going down and back up. 
And it almost like I'll break my governor or what my what I think is possible. Like as far as I can see, I'll walk to that point and then I'll I'll keep going. And so it it almost takes me out of my comfort level just how far I'll walk and how far I can get away from the vehicle. But I'm able to find these places out there that I can backpack into that's typically roaded country where I'm able to find really good hunting where these deer find refuge out there and just live in that country. So I really enjoy doing I really enjoy hunting that country. And, um, so, so that's what I did. It's, I get way back out there. I'm on a vantage point and I see this nice four and he's by himself. And it's, uh, kind of like first thing in the morning and he beds in the perfect spot. And, um, so I look at him, it's, it's early in the hunt, but I know I've got multiple late season hunts coming up and it's like, man, I just got to give him a chance. He's in such a perfect spot. It's such a great opportunity. And he's a great buck that I'll be happy with. So, um, you know, it's time to make a play. He feeds in the morning and then beds down right away in the morning. And I know this is just his first bed that he'll find deeper, darker cover to bed in. But it's like, man, I'll give him a shot in this first bed as I know I can get the wind right. I can come up and around him and come over the top uh, and, and try to get like a good play on him. So he's just in the perfect spot and I'm not that far away from him. So I decide to make a play. And so I take my camp and everything with me. And circle around him and uh, then drop my camp up top and um, just come sneaking over the top of this ridge where he's right down below me. And I catch him right down below me. Uh, I've got a good wind. It's coming right up at me. And um, he doesn't know I'm there. And so, man, I just wait for the right opportunity. And um, he gives it to me like like a good quartering away shot. Able to just sit on my shot and execute. And uh, put a good one in that buck, and and um, it's all over. So it's like uh, this year I've done I've done really well making good on these opportunities. So uh, antelope, I killed one on my first stock of the year, and now mule deer, uh, I killed one on my first stock of the year. You know, found a buck I liked, made a play at him, and just able to get everything right and make it come together. So. Um, one stock wonder this year on a on at least a couple animals. My elk was not the first stock, but uh, at least on antelope and mule deer, um, able to make good shots. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was a solo trip, and uh, you know I've been tight on time this year just with the couple homes I have going and like carpentry that I have to get done. And so, you know, it's been tough for me to be gone where I'm just squeezing like a Friday or a Monday into the weekend, you know, and back to weekend warrior, um, you know, trying to be responsible and get work done and then also trying to hunt. And this one was difficult as well as I had to drive seven, eight hours. So it was one of those deals where I worked really hard, got off work, drove half the night to make it there up early in the morning, like just trying to make the most out of these hunts. So in a short time window to be able to get it done and have this wild adventure was amazing. And then, you know, to to make a perfect stock, execute a perfect shot on this buck, uh, man, it's just um, absolutely awesome. And, you know, I I you know, the two tags that I did not make good on this year were my early season mule deer tags. One I tried to film and the other one I um, just went by myself solo, but I was so short on time and I wasn't able to make it happen. And, um, you know, so that was kind of like not my biggest failure of the season, but something that I definitely wanted to make good on in the late season. And the year before, 
I was finishing my house in November. I had to move in November, and so I really missed out on a lot of the late season hunting. And I made a couple short trips work and just couldn't make it come together. And so, you know, it felt like a bit of redemption for my late season to be able to arrow a good buck and a bit of redemption from my early season as well. And I just love hunting mule deer and all these places where they exist. And, you know, it's like I really enjoy backpacking into this remote country and being able to find these pockets where these bucks are hanging out. So uh, arrow the buck and then, you know, I just soaked it in. I really took my time with um, the butchering process and skinned out the head. And I'm just by myself in this really cool place. And the only downside to it is that I'm done so early. Uh, so it's a good thing. I'm happy to have success and really enjoy this moment. But in the same breath, it's like, oh, man, I'm done, you know, at least in this state, at least right now. But I do have a couple other late season hunts coming up. And uh, so I just soaked it in, uh, grabbed some good pictures, took my time butchering. It's like cooler weather. The sun's out. And uh, man, I just took my time with it. And then I have an ultra heavy pack out with the buck and my camp with me. And so uh, I just enjoyed it. It took me, you know, I killed him in the morning and took me nearly all day before I was able to get back to my truck and um, hike out. So the sun was just setting as I was coming out. But yeah, I just enjoyed it. Uh, just soaked it all in and just really fortunate for, you know, having these places I can hunt, adventures I can go on. And what a way to like cap off the end of bow season for me. So uh, able to kill that buck, get him out, and, um, yeah, I, uh, like exploring these remote stretches guys, if we have time, like the best scouting we can do is during hunting season. And so like, like I'll just mark these places on my map that I want to backpack into, and then I'll just go dive in. And it's amazing what you can find in these places. And then doing that during season or making good of the, the final weekend of bow season. Well, like now I have more knowledge going into that and know that I can target these bucks, uh, in October. So that was really cool. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then, um, yeah, I had, uh, this is the last year that my daughter qualified for, um, the youth hunt. So in Montana, they give us the Thursday and Friday before season opens, uh, where kids 15 and under can shoot a deer and can't shoot elk, but can shoot a deer. And, um, my youngest daughter's 15 this year and she's just so busy. She's just with her sports. She does, you know, volleyball and does softball and basketball. And then, you know, she's got her friends that she's hanging out with. And then, um, you know, really good on her schoolwork and yearbook taking photos. And so she's got all this stuff going, but, you know, she had, stated to me how important it was to like do an adventure hunt this year so I wanted to make sure I could make it happen even as busy I, as I am as tough as days are to take off like this means the world to me this is like quality time with my daughter you know not only during the hunt but the traveling the back and forth and we're able to have like these really good conversations and it's just like this great bonding period where you know I'm able to share what I love and share these wild places and she's just such a good kid and she really enjoys you know sunrises sunsets nature uh she enjoys like the the physical aspect of it the uh, being able to be clutch with that rifle. And so, um, 
yeah, I was really pumped for this. So definitely took a couple days off work. Again, it's just um, working around the clock to make sure that I can get enough done on the job site. So working late hours, early mornings, book work, trying to get everything done, get these podcasts out to you guys, just make sure that I'm taking care of all my responsibilities. But pretty soon, you know, I just got back a weekend, got to butcher that deer uh, in the evenings, get that thing all processed and in the freezer. And then here we are Wednesday night, we're taking off again and driving half the night, try to go do an adventure hunt seven hours away. And again, it's this pre-rut. Um, so it can be a bit difficult. So we're truck camping and, um, uh, we're, we're headed out to go do some hunting. And, um, so yeah, first morning, you know, I did spot a couple bucks. Like we're just to drive half the night to get there. So first thing in the AM, we're gonna go to these spots that I really like. But um, we're traveling to try to get there at first light, and we do see like a really good bull and get to stop and hear him bugle and watch him chase his cows. And then we did spot two bucks, but it's just um. Man, it's not the experience I want for her where we just drive half the night and we bail out of the truck and shoot a buck, you know. It's like I, I really want her to get the full experience whether she kills one or not. And sure, I want her to be successful or have a chance at success, but in the same breath, it's just not the right experience. So we spot these two bucks. They're on public. They're shooters for her. They're nice bucks. But, you know, I just wasn't going to bail out. We haven't... um you know, we've been working with the rifle dry fire practice, but, um, you know, we need more live rounds and then, you know, which I, you know, which I really wish I would have made more time for before we went, but, you know, I just try to fit all this stuff into this trip. And so, uh, even though we'd been practicing with the rifle, we hadn't done much live fire practice this season. And so, you know, definitely wanted to set up and do some live fire middle of the day. And, um, so there's these two bucks and, um, so I, I just, um, it's not the experience I want. It's not the way we want to kill one. So, you know, I kind of make this plan and I'm like, well, you know, you could, we could pop out and shoot that thing, but let's drive past and then we'll get out. Let's get our gear on and we're, we'll circle way around these two bucks. And if they come up at us and we get a perfect scenario, great. If not, no big deal. And so we circle way up and around and they don't end up coming at us and don't get a chance, but that's fine. It's like not really the experience I want anyways. And I'm able to set up my tripod so i have like a two and a half pound tripod let's see i'll get get you guys the make and model i always forget it but then i'm able to um get this rifle adapter that i'm able to put on the top of it so basically she can shoot standing she can shoot sitting and then can of course shoot prone on um shooting over a pack we practice that a lot which is the most stable shot and um so she's familiar with all her shooting positions and you know She's a good kid and she's hunted with me quite a bit. It's like not quite like like her main thing that she does. Like she has her sports and her friends and her school. I, I think she does it to spend time with me, even though she really enjoys hunting. You know, it's just not her primary focus. And maybe it will be later, but basically we get out for a couple weekends a year at best. And I think she does it more to spend time with me, even though she enjoys it. So... 
we um we don't get on those couple bucks, which is fine. That's what I want anyways. You know, it's the use season. It's only a couple days, and then General Rifle opens up, and so the Orange Army starts showing up and definitely gets tougher as everybody's hunting with um, General Firearms. But, yeah, we're just taking it all in. We set up the middle of the day. We practice with the rifle, 100 yards, 200 yards. Just run some rounds through that, make sure she's accurate, has a good feel for the rifle, all the stuff that I wanted to do start checking some vantage points and so we're hiking out to different spots and then um hike out to one spot and uh some sharp tail fly by and so i've got the shotgun in the truck and um so it's um i'm like hey you want to get a sharp tail for dinner and she says yeah so we go back to the truck we grab the shotgun um so you know she did she hasn't done like a ton of bird hunting and you know i used to bird hunt a bit but you know, I'm kind of out of practice as well. I just like focus so much on the big game hunting and don't do much of the upland or um, ducks anymore. But it's like something I can share with her. And so, you know, we kind of go through it and uh, we shoot a bit uh, with that shotgun, make sure she's used to that 20 gauge. And then we roll out to go chase up some sharp tails. And um, once you know it, we were able to get a sharp trail. And, uh, uh, you know, I just let her, she's not like, the best wing shooter hasn't had a shotgun a bunch and so basically like if you get a shot on the ground like it's fine you're it's a 15 year old kid it's like you know if if they fly up and she's got a wing shoot them like she's probably not going to get one which is fine it's just the action and the fun of it you know but i told her if you get a shot on the ground you just take that thing on the ground you know it's a it's a grouse it's how i learned as a kid and so we go out there and make a sneak on these things and catch that one on the ground and she was able to um, put a good shot on it and able to get a grouse and then, you know, just able to process a bird like I don't do much bird hunting anymore. So able to walk her through how to process it. And then we did have it that night uh, in a taco. We were able to cook it up and have it for a taco. So it, it was just like a cool experience I was able to share with her. She was able to shoot a sharp tail and then, yeah, we just keep hunting. And, um, you know, we didn't see... A ton of deer numbers but we did see does and we did see some smaller bucks and you know we had the conversation of like hey you're 15 you know i know you shot like a few bucks but you know if you want to shoot a two point or you know it'll eat really good and um you know you're definitely welcome to do that and she really wanted to shoot for a three or a four and there was multiple opportunities at two points that she'd pass up and it's definitely not something I'm pushing on her. Like I just want her to have a quality experience. And, um, so if she wanted to shoot one, you know, me as a kid, I, gosh, I would have shot every two point out there just for a chance at like, uh, action or whatever. But I come from Western Washington hunting blacktails where, you know, a two point is, it's not a trophy, but it's like, uh, it's just viewed a little bit different where it's like, yeah, if you kill a two point, you did something. And, um, so good on her. She didn't, um, she wanted to step up and shoot a three or four point. I said, well, definitely good bucks out here. You know, there'll definitely be some opportunities if we hunt hard. And so, um, yeah, we, um, we, we did middle of the day. I end up spotting this really good, heavy four point bedded. And, uh, so I go back and I get Katie, I think, uh, she was taking a nap in the truck. It was like middle of the day and we were just grabbing vantage points, kind of setting up for evening. And I'd walked out to this point and found this four point way off in the distance. And so I went and got her up and go, yeah, I got it. This great buck. He's bedded in this spot. Let's go see if we can get on him." and uh, fairly open country. And so we made a big play for this buck and uh, we get over there and, you know, it's this constant, 
you know, I'd love to get her a shot at 100 yards. She's good out to about 200 yards is her distance. And then, um, you know, at a, 100 yards, it's definitely like an easier, better shot for her. But at the same time, is it better to have like a 200-yard shot and the deer don't know you're there or 100-yard and be rushed? And it's just tough with these new hunters to get them set up, to get them on the sticks with their movement, uh, to have them acquire their target and their scope. They they just like Katie's getting this killer instinct, but it's still it just takes time to shape. It's not like us experienced hunters going out there where everything's second nature, you know, it's like so we get in close to this buck and there's really no chance to get closer to a 200 yards or if we do get inside 200 yards we we won't be able to see him we'll be on the same hillside as him there's a higher likelihood of him spooking and so we're able to get 200 yards and I'm like well let's get you set up prone on the pack and we'll wait for him to stand and you know we go through the shot process and where to put it on him and and she knows this stuff as she's killed some deer but just just remember just squeeze the trigger let the crosshairs float over him and you'll nail him and uh, so we set up and we have to wait maybe a, oh, oh in the setup we had to crawl and then belly crawl and I turn back and I'd make sure she's low enough and the deal is is there's like another two point another couple does that are bedded to the left of this buck on higher ground that can kind of see us moving in and you know how it's always tough in a prone position to see through the grass or over the hillside so we have to crawl and then belly crawl get her set up on the pack get her to find the buck in the shadows and then she can see the buck really no shot at him in his bed and so we're waiting for him to stand after about a half an hour he stands up and he walks out and um yeah just kind of talk her through the shot and um she shoots and um man just misses that thing clean you know we we we're still shooting low kick shells even though she's ready for like the full shells the full kick of the gun and um next year we're going to transition into that uh 6.5 creedmoor um, but she's shooting the low kick shells, which really shouldn't drop more than a couple inches at 200 yards. And I've seen her make that shot before. I've seen her sister make that shot, uh, but she just missed. And it's like, you know, everybody misses, including me. This is like part of hunting, you know, and I'm, you know, it's just good that we didn't hit them bad or hit them low. And I'm not sure where the shot went. I'm guessing the shot went low, but you know, I don't know. It's a three by nine scope. It's this youth rifle. It's a really good seven mm eight. It's been a great rifle. We've killed a bunch of deer with it, but, um, I know the rifle's on and it's like, gosh, dang, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened. I'm sure crosshairs were just floating. I mean, maybe it's excitement and buck fever too. It's like, I just, these, um, these kids or these girls, they learn so well and they sure make good shots. I've just been so impressed. Like me as a kid, uh, my dad was great teaching me, but I just didn't get the same direction. And so, you know, I was a bit of a wild man out there. Like, you know, if I saw a buck like that, I would have emptied my gun and reloaded and kept shooting. And, you know, I was just, um, you know, I didn't learn that execution of a good shot. But these kids, they learn so well. And then we do the dry fire practice. And then, you know, the live practice, she was shooting well. But she just misses, and everybody misses, and so it just is what it is. Try not to get too down about it. We go take chase after that buck. You know, can't turn him up. Again, find another two-point, and, uh, you know, she wants to hold out for a three or four, and it was a great heavy four-point. But it just is what it is, you know, just a clean miss, and we got to get back after it and keep looking and try to earn another opportunity. It's also, like, good lessons to learn, too, you know. So, um, next morning I do find that buck again 
and I'm just trying to read the public and private, and uh, if he's on public and I spot him and he goes down into a lull where I think he beds and we kind of make a play down on him, and uh, I run out of public land. Just isn't enough public to get to him, so it just is what it is. Like, we've got to leave this buck. You know, maybe we educated him before rifle season. Maybe he'll live another year. He's a great buck. Got your big Roman nose, gray face, heavy four-point. Just a beautiful buck, but, you know, it just is what it is. So uh, we're off and continue to look, and we kind of got to move country now. We've really hit this area, and we kind of know everything that's in there. There was this great four-point, but we didn't see much else for shooter bucks in there, and so... You know, we just go to move in country and learn a new country. And so we end up in a new spot, go in. I think we hunt that evening and don't see much. New spot in the morning. And now we're to opening day rifle. And so it's Saturday morning and it's like there's just people and trucks all over. And we're truck hunting, so we're not backpacking in, which I want to get her more into this backpacking as she's ready for it. But basically, we're just trying to do these big, long day hunts and get away from the pressure that way. So there's definitely a few guys around, but we find a spot. It is in our A spot that we wanted to go to where we saw a bunch of deer. She actually passed a two-point the night before. That's right. It was bedded that we spotted in this canyon, but uh, now we're general season. We couldn't park in that spot or there was just some vehicles, and, and then I saw some guys with headlamps on the ridge, so we chose to go hunt a different spot. We go in there, and um, man, we spot a good buck coming up at us. It was weird. He had like some non-typical stuff going on, really good buck, and um, man, I think... I definitely mess this one up. I uh, The buck's headed up this drainage at us, and it's just wild. Like, he's headed up towards us, but I'm not sure. There's, like, three different drainages he can take, and if he takes the left one, he'll walk out at a couple hundred yards from us, and uh, if he takes the middle one, we're too far. If he takes the right one, he's too far, and so we're going to have to make a move on him. And I'm all, I'm thinking about this 200-yard miss, too, where it's just like, man, I want to get her closer, and so I kind of, like want to make a play around on this buck where if he comes by us, he comes inside like 150, 125 yards. And so I start scooting around and um, see the buck down below as he's still feeding and he's going to take the draw right up towards us. Now, I should have just set up with that 200 yards, but he kind of disappears in this draw. You try to get a little bit closer. It's really still in the morning, so I'm not sure if he heard us coming through the grass. I'm not sure if maybe I got down too far in that draw where that wind grabbed me. And here I am, this bow hunter, so good at getting close to these mule deer, and I end up spooking this deer that's 250, 300 year, yards off, like coming right at us. And I spook this buck. He's all by himself. It's a perfect scenario. It was just calm in the morning. There's two of us. I'm not sure if he heard us or if my wind drifted down that draw, but we spooked that buck. And then there's just no shot. You know, there's 300 yards, 400 yards. You know, a lot of guys could have shot at those distances, but we can't. We're just closer. And I busted this buck and we took chase and then we caught him out in the prairie on the next hillside after a half mile mile, catch him again, thought he was going to bed there, just disappears in the timber. So we got this lone buck and we trailed him for a while and then just disappears. And so we've got this buck we can play on in the evening, but it's the only one we saw in there. There's not a ton of tracks in this area. And I was just like, man, let's just, let's go to a new area. Let's just keep searching, keep looking, you know? And so I had another hunt that I wanted to do and um, you know, so we cruise out there and going to do an afternoon evening hunt in this spot. And, um, we start putting on a few miles and hike way over and it's early afternoon and we catch, um, 
we catch this buck in this back drainage and um, really big body on him. He's like a three point. And uh, so I let Katie look at him and she says, yeah, I'd shoot that buck. And so kind of make a play towards him and we just running out of cover where eventually we have to dive in the draw and circle around him and he beds early afternoon he was up feeding he's by himself and then he beds in the sagebrush and so we make a play around him and sneak up and then we're able I'm able to relocate him get Katie set up and and um man we're like 150 yards away from him perfect and so at first I get her set up on the tripod and we're going to shoot him from a sitting position. We get elbows to knees, get comfortable. And it's weird when you're hunting with a kid is this stuff just doesn't come natural. And so although we practiced our shooting positions, now we're on uneven terrain. We can't move much or this buck will pick us up. Uh, we get her on uh, the tripod out in front of her, knees to elbows. You know, we mess around with the pack. We get her comfortable and then we just wait. And we have to wait for this buck to stand. I mean, I think we ended up waiting two and a half or three hours. And I just know, you know, like I had the patience and have done this before on mule deer a lot with my bow. And so, you know, I just know a relaxed buck that stands up is way better than a buck that I try to get up. But, you know, pretty soon time's just clocking off. And then we decide to get her in a lay down position because I think she can see it. We get her in a lay down, but she's uncomfortable and she's, we're just waiting for this buck to stand and he just won't stand. He's just sitting there laying down. Pretty soon the sun sets and the sun's in our eyes as it's going down. Finally, the sun gets behind the hill. Now we can see him better, just waiting for him to stand. And finally, it's like, we're starting to run out of time. Like he's just going to end up bedded. Like, until it gets dark and we're not going to get a shot at him. And so finally I tell Katie, okay, you know, we get her back to a sitting position. She's back comfortable and it's just forever to wait, uh, especially for a kid like that. I mean, we're talking, it's an honest, all of two and a half hours, if not three hours, she's waiting. And, um, finally it's starting to get dark. We're down to like the last 10, 15 minutes of light. I'm like, Katie, I'm going to have to get this buck up. Like, so I start breaking sagebrush over there and, start breaking sagebrush and making noise thinking he'll stand up and just nothing and then so then I start mooing like a cow <laughs> that's a, that's like my my I guess that's the trick that I came up with is uh make a couple buck grunts and I start mooing like a cow and then I'm just doing anything to get this buck up and he just will not move and um so finally I'm like Katie I'm gonna have to stand up if he stands up you're clear for the shot you take the shot and uh, so I stand up and silhouette myself, and um, finally that buck stands up, and um, she's able to put a perfect shot on him. Good redemption from the first one. I mean, just um, absolutely puts that bullet in the right spot. Buck maybe goes 10, 15 yards, is alive for 5, 10 seconds, and done. And um, yeah, she's really pumped. It's like a great big-bodied mule deer, nice three-point what she was after. We butcher him in the dark, and now we're so far away from the truck. I mean, not so far. It's just like over this mountain and through this sage and down through the saddle and down through this draw. And like I say, country's really big out there. And uh, so, yeah, we had a good time like processing them in the dark with our headlamps and then um, packing them out in the dark. And, you know, it's just like this great adventure with my kid. And, um, you know, we sleep out again that night. We stay, we hang the buck up, he cools that night and then able to cruise home the next morning. So like this great four day adventure with my kid. And um, 
really fun to share it with her and have a lot of these in-depth conversations. And then we, um, you know, it's like always, we have so much truck time, like seven hours there, seven hours back. And so I had found this podcast, uh, Sally McRae. She was like the guest on Cameron Haynes podcast right after me. And Cameron told me she's a beast. And so uh, I've been following her and she did the Grand Slam at 200. So she did four 200 plus mile races and to listen to her recap of those, those races and what she puts into them. I mean, you talk about grit and determination and toughness. It's just incredible. And then, you know, spoiler alert, she's got some films out that I need to watch the films, but I, I found her podcast and it's kind of the Chew Strong podcast. And it's just this really strong, uh, strong-minded, um, uh, like, uh, like, like women positivity like it's just a great podcast for me and my daughter to listen to of this gal that's accomplishing so much and sets her mind to things and then you know able to um do these races and and come out on top and so yeah it was uh amazing so we listened to that and then she won the moab 240 and just her determination grit and will i mean it reminds me that i have more to give as well like you're talking about you know 10 15 blisters on her feet and ulcer on her feet like an open wound and then you know getting sick to her stomach which i've been in these races and had exhaustion sickness or had this um you know sickness where i can't keep water down can't keep food down and she just pushes through all of it and then the determination in the last 20 miles and just her pace and race strategy and, and then her message is so powerful in this so like really fun to listen to that with my daughter on that uh, that sally does a great job really enjoying her podcast and um so yeah able to listen to that with katie which was just amazing so yeah we did that and um came back and then um yeah, I've got a couple other late season tags, and so I start planning the next hunt. And uh, the next hunt takes place in a state that I've never been, and it's kind of like this um, this breaks or badlands country, kind of similar country to what I'd hunted in eastern Montana. And um, so really pumped. Uh, never been to this state. We're going to try to film it. I've got a new cameraman, so I meet up with him, and I've got a week out there. And uh, the bitter cold shows up. It gets um, well below zero. We had 40-mile-an-hour winds the first couple days, north winds. And, you know, it's finding deer, dissecting these units is such a skill that I've worked on over these years, like learning these new spots. So I'd e-scouted a couple spots, and I go to the first spot and the second spot I had e-scouted. And uh, there's just not much for tracks around, not much for deer. And, and you know, I kind of seen this place different. I had seen these mountain ranges that kind of poke up out of nothing. And I thought, well, the deer are going to be in these mountain ranges for sure. There's more timber there, more cover. And the deer just weren't in those. They're also not in the flats or in these ag fields either. They're kind of in this in-between in this foothill. So as I start to learn these new units, like I'm starting, I'm just downloading data. And so, you know, where I'm not seeing deer is just as important as where I am seeing deer so just trying to pay attention to all this and I end up in my third or fourth choice spot and uh, just starting to dial it in I'm starting to find deer in these foothills from these vantage points and also it's like you can look from the best spot on planet earth but if you look at the wrong time you might not see deer and you might rule it out so I get to this really good vantage point I'm like man I should be able to see a deer from here and I think I actually did see a couple does down there but I didn't see much 
and I glassed it for like a couple hours in the middle of the day. And it's one of those snowy cold days where I just think the deer are going to be moving. We're right in the, you know, we're right around November 1st. So like we're right around this time frame where I'm starting to see rutting action or at least these bucks staging for it. And I don't see much there for two hours. But I know not to rule that spot out. And in the evening, I ended up seeing 20-some deer in a couple different bucks. And now I'm able to take this country where I'm finding deer and go back to my onyx. And I'm able to look at this place and like go, okay, what spots look similar to this? Where are there spots like this? And so I found a place. And really, I'm just trying to learn these areas. And then I'm going to dial it in. I've got a total, I've got a week there. You know, find this hike in spot that's really good. But, you know, I just want to keep finding these areas. And then uh, I know I've got a good weather window coming for like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the wind's going to lay down. So I go out to learn this other new spot that's fairly close to where we are, like, you know, within 20 miles or something like that, kind of on the similar range, like just south of us. And so, uh, go check that out. And, um, you know, I'm seeing deer, seeing bucks. I haven't seen any shooters yet, but then that morning I spot two really good bucks and, um, the two really good bucks, there's one like heavier and older and he's just got a beast of a body, like just a horse of a body. I can tell he's like five plus years old. And then there's another one with double stickers and he's like maybe a year or two younger, but still fully mature, a sticker out each side. And these are the two best bucks we've seen. They're two shooter bucks. And so we watch them that morning and then, um, they kind of disappear from us over the top and I'm like, Hey, we got to go. Let's, um, try to keep eyes on these bucks and see if they're going to put themselves in a good spot. And we kind of have like there's snow on the ground, like a little bit of crunch and it's, um, it's, it's early, but like, let's go up, see if we can find these bucks. And so we go up and then I catch the two bucks and they're rounding the corner and heading up into these coolies and canyons, like this great area. So I'm like, well, you know, we've got a good wind. They're on the move and on their feet. Let's go to that next saddle and see if we can pick them up again as they disappeared out of sight again. So we go to the saddle and I pick them up again and they're coming up this canyon coolie and they cross maybe a hundred yards in front of me or so. And I just, I have all open country to him. I can't make a move, but it looks like they're going to circle up and above me. And so we make a move up and above. And there's so much of this is like just keeping that element of surprise and really working on my ridgeline assaults to like not let these bucks know that I'm hunting them and then always catch these bucks before they catch me. And so I circle up and around and cut them off, but they kind of just held in the bottom and they're just down there feeding. And I have no real approach from where I'm at or the saddle I was, but if I circle all the way around and I come up this bottom, I can get on these bucks and be, uh, can be like hidden in these coolies and these canyons. So we decide to do that. We come up through the bottoms of these canyons and I'm just starting to get to where I'm going to come over the top and they're going to be in bow range and I catch the bucks. And so crouch down and just stay motionless. And so many people make the mistake of crouching down. Like it's good to crouch down and not have this standing silhouette. But if the deer elk are looking at you, that's not the time to crouch down. Like these ungulates really pick up movement. But I'm able to get crouched down while they're not looking at me. And then they cross right in front of me. And they cross 60, 70 yards. And they cross, but they just continue walking. I'm trying to get ranges on them and nothing. And they're just walking and they're just kind of feeding along as they go. And they go over the top of this ridge. And so I make another move, like, to make it to that ridge. And it's just so fun, like, cat and mousing these things. And this hunt has gone on for, like, a couple hours in the morning. 
And um, so, yeah, just able to uh, make a play up on them. And then um, I go up over the next ridge and then there they are on the hillside and they're in range. And I tell my cameraman, it's new cameraman. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to shoot him right here. Come on, scoot out. And so uh, get a range on him. And he's out there a bit, but it's like, you know, these hunts, like I'm bow only. I don't pick up a rifle throughout the year. You know, I hunted with my, my daughter with the rifle, but, you know, I solely focus on these bow hunts. And on these bow hunts, I'm going to run across conditions where I've got snow covered the ground, um, where, you know, I'm not going to be able to get a 20, 30 yard shot. They're going to hear me coming. And so, you know, I really work hard on my long range game. So that's that 50, 60, 70, or that 60, 70, 80, where I just know I can make a shot out there. And, and that gives me the opportunity to hunt with my bow during this late season as, you know, snow on the ground. I'm not going to be able to get as close. Like I've got to rely upon my shooting and the you know, every successful hunt comes down to making a shot. And I pride myself on being able to execute these quality shots. So out walks this buck, I get a good range on him, and then able to execute a good shot and it nails him. I see the mule kick and uh, know I got him in the body good. Arrow passes through him. He disappears over the side. I pull up my binos. I can see blood pumping out the far side. I'm like, oh man, he's done. And um, man, I, I, I go... You know, we give him some time, and then I go up there, and then, like, this is how things happen. Like, it's such a game of inches, and um, so I, I pick up the blood, and I start, he's going uphill, and he's with the other buck, and then he goes 200 yards, 300 yards, and it's like, oh, man. All right, he should have been dead by now. Like, I don't know what happened. I know the shot was good, but, um, you know, we just got to take up trail and got to finish this deal out, and, um, man, we're just in for we're in for like a like a day of trying to chase down this buck which you know I, I just pride myself on making these clean quick kills there's like this shot I've told you guys about there's low and back like on the liver not in the guts but it's low and back and it just takes these animals forever to die like I shot a bull that I x-ringed right behind the shoulder halfway up the body but it came out low and back where this bull was alive the next day and I've had antelope do the same thing where they just live for quite a while so this buck's hurt and he's hurt bad he's betting and basically what had happened is is the the shot came in kind of a little bit low and back not too bad four or five inches up from the bottom of the brisket came in about on the liver right there uh, but the the shot angle because of the distance was coming down and it exited uh, low on the shoulder and so I just it's like a game of inches man I mean this shot should have killed him right then and there and usually it does it's just like man it came out low broke the offside shoulder I mean you know I, I I mean maybe I could have put a little bit better shot on him but it was like behind the heart below the lungs and it definitely did damage and depressurize his chest and definitely hurt him in there but you know bow hunting just always doesn't always happen like you want it and although I love to make perfect shots this is a lethal shot this buck is gonna die uh, it's just gonna take him a while and you know, I see the offside shoulder is busted. I can't really see the entrance too well. 
And so I just figure I need to get another arrow in this buck. You know, and there's there's options here. And your decisions are directly going to affect whether you recover this deer or not. And sometimes the decision is, is oh, he's hit well enough. Let's back out of here. He's going to die. We just need to give him some time. And I didn't feel that way on this buck, even though after I recovered him and saw where the shot was, I think if I would have left him, he probably would have died. It just would have taken a few hours. So I decide that I need to get a second arrow in because I can see the offside shoulders busted. I'm not sure where the entrance is at. You know, I didn't know that I had liver in there. I didn't know that I had I had dam- done so much damage in there. So I think I need to get a second arrow in this buck. I've got snow. I've got blood. It's just tracking them down and trying to catch up to them. And man, it was like, as a rodeo, you know, it was like, man, just catch him bedded in this spot but I can't get a shot through the twigs and through the limbs and then he spooks off and then okay gotta take up trail again find him in his bed he's in this spot so you know it just turns into one of those deals that you just gotta you know keep your mind right keep chasing this thing until you can get him down and eventually that's what I was able to do Uh, eventually catch him in this bed He's like 15 yards in front of me, doesn't know I'm there because now I've got some wind noise and I'm able to really sneak up into this drainage where I think he's bedded like he'd bed, you know, in classic mule deer spots in this brush and stuff. And so I can see his horns at 15 yards and he's bedded there. And then he'd put his head down, um, you know, a bit like he's just heard. He put his head down and I just creep up a little bit more. And I'm just trying to see his body or whatever, just trying to get a look at his body to get another arrow in him. And this is after, you know, I've jumped him out of three or four beds. And so like, you know, I just, I really want to finish the deal here. We've gone, you know, quite a, quite a big distance, like half a mile of chasing him around and just like really want to close it out. But finally able to get a, a final arrow into him, angled down into the lungs and able to kill him. So, you know, it's just, man, it's bow hunting. Like, this stuff happens. You just, like, you know, you get narrow into an animal, and that was my tag on that hunt, on that animal, whether I killed him or not. And I, I you know, you just have this belief, like, man, I am going to catch up to him. I am going to get another arrow into him. Like, we're going to get this buck. And so we ended up getting him. I think it'll make a good film. And, you know, it's just, like, it's reality and it's authenticity. Like, I'd love to tell you that every animal I shoot is a perfect shot and they go right over the hill and die. It just doesn't always happen that way. So we had to take Chase on this buck and had to finish him off. But I am proud of the way that I finished him off. It's too bad this buck had to suffer a bit or, like, you know, I, it, it took longer than I'd like it to. But it's just the way it is. I am proud of my effort and the buck and um, being able to get him down. So learning these new spots... You know, then, like, the best scouting is, like, during season. So we kill this buck, again, take our time, like, get good photos, process the buck, get them packed out. And then, you know, I want to go check out some more areas and kind of glass around, able to find another couple shooter bucks, which was really good. So this is, like, good for the future. It's like I'm looking, you know, and I think I'd shove this hunt back just a little bit to time the rut better. So, you know, I was there. This was a Halloween buck. And it's right around November 1st. I think I'd push it back and go like November 3rd to the 10th and uh, really catch some good rutting action out there. But able to find shooter bucks and good numbers. And so this is good for the future. It'll be a new spot that I can return to, that I can develop 
And, um, you know, it's another spot where I can bow hunt late season bucks. It's just awesome. And it's so fun to learn these new units. Like it's daunting when you get there, you can hardly find a deer, you know, my first and second spot that I thought would be good that we bombed into, like I can't find deer in there. Just have to continually adapt and theorize, pay attention to where I'm not seeing deer, pay attention to where I am seeing deer, just believe in the process and continue to put forth effort. And it's amazing, like what you can turn up and what you you can find and uh so yeah able to arrow my second late season buck which is just amazing and um yeah he's a good heavy older four point like another good prairie mule deer and uh man just so fortunate be able to get to go to these places and um bow hunt these bucks um just really have fun doing it and so now I've got one more hunt here, late season hunt. I might make a trip or two. It's um, This one's a big mountain hunt, deep snow, bitter cold. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this one. And then I think I'll try to meet my Hawaii buddies. They're going to fly out and hunt this one with me. And this should be right in the heart of the rut. So just gearing up to make this happen. And then just starting to think about the off season and, um, you know, how I want to train and prepare for next season. And, and really it's, it's like the same process that I've been doing the last 15 years, but, you know, basically just working with my bow more. So I ordered a draw board. Um, you know, I hate spending extra money, but, uh, I got a new Matthews that'll be showing up. And, uh, you know, I've been setting my bow timing by having my wife look at the stops on my bow coming off the back wall, coming back into it. And uh, a drawing board is just going to make this more precise, you know, just to make sure my bottom cam isn't forward, to make sure I can get my timing perfect, uh, to make sure I can check my draw length. Um, you know, it's a couple hundred dollar purchase, but it's going to help me more fine tune my setup. So I've got that coming. Um, I've got to make up some new arrows. So trying to get uh, that all together so I can get some arrows and uh, make up my new arrows for the next season and, and just really work on my form again. I uh, did a good job shooting throughout season, but it definitely isn't every day with these hunts. And now after this last hunt, man, I think I've gone three or four days without shooting my bow. I need to get out this morning before I go to work and um, rip a few arrows. But yeah, just starting to plan my off season and how I'm going to prepare for next season. And it's basically like just all these facets that we talk about all the time. So, you know, the physical fitness is really want to push my miles and push my long runs and peak grabbing in the summer. Uh, you know, my shooting, I've got the indoor at the house now. I want to go to the bow shop more and shoot more indoor, uh, you know, continue to shoot outside, but just run those arrows, uh, really fine tune this new setup and make sure I get that thing shooting right. But these, these hunts come down to making shots. And so, you know, I want to be the very best archer I can be, uh, my fit fitness level, you know, talked about long runs and going, but also keeping muscle on my frame, body weight exercises, and just getting real consistent with it. And, um, and we'll start ramping up towards next season. Also, like now I'm coming into tag research, so trying to plan all my hunts for next year, where I'm going to apply, and just making sure that I have tags and places to hunt next year. And then the big one for me is going to be time. So this year I was pressed for time. And um, really time is the key for me. And as I keep evolving into this backcountry bow hunter, I just want to set myself up with plenty of time to do these hunts. And so um, that's what I'm making my moves towards, you know, with um, 
you know, by being able to phase out a Barney construction and then um, be able to focus more on this hunting season. And not that I won't continue to do carpentry or construction or do a bit here or there, but just taking a step back from doing so many homes a, a year. So I've got these two homes I'm finishing out and uh, we'll get done with these couple, but really set myself up right with time next year to hunt more time. It's, um, so that's a big one for me, but man, I'm going to push my limits and see what I can do on all facets. Like, uh, my shooting become the very best I can be on my fitness and on my tag research, making sure I have a bunch of tags next year and, um, hunting new places as well as hunting existing spots that I know and just trying to make this rocks rock solid like game plan for next season and then put in the work. And, um, I really enjoyed this season. It's been, um, it's been really good to me, but, um, yeah, I have, I have bigger plans for next year. It's always like, you know, setting these goals of bigger critters. And if I have more time and if I put more work in, then I can set my sights higher and I'm getting opportunities at these quality animals. But yeah, it's like, man, I, I want to, I want to harvest a couple of these giants again, you know, not that my animals weren't giants this year. They were definitely like really good bucks and bulls and antelope. And I did really good. I'm really proud of my effort, really proud of the animals that I took, but you know, there's always more, there's more to give. And, um, yeah, I just can't wait. It's, um, man, it's so fun to have passion for something that you truly love. And so, uh, now it's just getting into the off season and back into the routine of things. I did a good job of running throughout the season, but I spend most of my time hunting. And so I'm definitely not in the running everyday mentality right now. So I definitely need to get back to that. I'm getting in like a run or two a week and I've definitely felt my running fitness drop off a bit. You know, it's like I can feel it out there and, and my legs are super strong. My backpacking is really good. My back's strong. Like I'm just in hunting season fitness right now, but, uh, get back to this running shape, running every day, putting in the work. And, um, I mean, that's really what separates me is the work that I put in, uh, you know, it, it adds up to, to animals with my bow come season. And so, uh, I just want to continue this evolution into being the very best bow hunter I can be and, uh, really see what I'm capable of. I know I'm in my very prime right now. So if I, if I schedule the days that I need and I plan these hunts and I absolutely go for it and I set my standards high, which I think I can do, I can eat some tags and really go for some of these giant critters. Like, I think the sky is the limits. And so um, I just want to see what I can accomplish and what I can do. So super pumped. Going to start putting in the work. Got one more hunt left, and then that'll close out my season. So should be a good one. Uh, definitely don't need to kill on this hunt so I can, um, you know, shoot for um, uh, older age class animals, have some fun with my buddy. So, um, yeah. It, uh, that's where I'm at. So, um, thanks you guys for all the support. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll just keep getting these podcasts out to you. I got some good ones recorded. I mean, that's another part of my goals for the next year is to really search out these good guests and these good conversations. You know, you guys have been with me for seven, eight years on this podcast. I just want to keep it fresh and keep getting you guys the information to make yourselves better hunters and, and more successful. And, um, you know, there, there's so much opportunity out there for big critters and for adventure. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys doing it, but you can get away from the pressure. You can find these good spots. You can hunt these off seasons. You can find consistent success on trophies. It's out there. It's just furthering your knowledge base and fitness level and all these facets that we talk about. It's taking these steps to get yourself more time during season and, um, the sky's the limits. And so that's the goal. 
so thanks you guys for the support. I really appreciate it. With that, um, we'll wrap this up and I'll catch up with you guys next week.